chapter 7, and if you need a Bible, raise your hand and the usher. Yeah, yeah, no, I mentioned that. Yeah, I mentioned that. Single service next week, 10.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We are in Mark chapter 7, and we're going through the book of Mark chapter by chapter, verse by verse, which is how we strongly believe best builds up um, a believer in Christ. Chapter 7. Okay, Mark chapter 7, verse uh, uh, 24. It says, from there he, Jesus, arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, meaning she was not a Jew. She was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Wow. Verse 28. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. Okay, now we're going to do something I usually don't do. Go to Matthew 15. We're going to read the parallel account in the book of Matthew. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, most of the stories are in, are, are in each one, or at least two of them. And so this story is in the book of Matthew, but it's good to read them together from time to time because oftentimes you pick up new detail. Verse 21 of Matthew 15. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold... A woman of Canaan came out from, came from that region, cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she says, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. 
and her daughter was healed from that, that very hour. Let's pray. Father, please give us understanding. Please give us understanding. Please change us by what we just read. You're, the Bible says that the word changes us. We're here. I'm here, Lord, to be changed by your word. And, and Father, we, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this book. And, and, and you, your word says it's living and active. Oh, that it would be that living and active in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. You may be seated. Charles Spurgeon is a famous preacher who lived in the late 1800s in England. And outside the Bible, he's probably the most quoted person on Sunday morning, at least in the English-speaking world, by evangelical pastors. He gave 10 different sermons on this one passage. 10 a very strange story because Jesus does some things here we don't see him do anywhere else. We're going to talk about that. But this woman, I am confident you will agree by the time we finish looking at her life and what she did here, this woman is one inspiring woman. And someone like Charles Spurgeon, he gives 10 sermons about one passage. He gets a lot of attention. That gets a lot of attention. Listen, if you are in a hard place, and she was in a hard place. Remember, we've already discussed this. At the time, with Jesus, the Son of God, the predicted prophesied Messiah is on the scene, it stirred up the demonic realm. That's why we see, it looks a little strange to us reading through the Gospels. There's all these stories about demon possession. It's not, by the way, it's not strange in some places, like in Haiti. It's not strange at all there. Because uh, we, we see that when we travel there, that's a, that's a common part of, 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 of life down there because of the, of the voodoo. And then areas where there's santeria as well. But, um, but uh, uh, she, th- this woman is in a very, very difficult place. Her daughter, her young daughter, it says, is demon-possessed. And we read about her coming to Jesus. And so, listen, if you are in a hard place, if you are in a dark place, an impossible place, this is the story that you want to go to. I know it's a strange one. We're going to talk about the strange. And hopefully it'll get less strange. But this is the story that you want to go to. Jeremiah 29, 13, we talk about it a lot, says this. You will seek me. This is God talking to you guys. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. No better example in the Bible of someone who did this verse. She does this verse, this woman. Another quote that we put up quite often, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Few other places in the Bible 
You can hardly find a better example of someone who did this verse than this woman. This woman here, she blessed the heart of God. Look at, look at verse 28 of Matthew again, of Matthew 15. What does he say to her? He says, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. Who in here? Don't you want to hear that? Don't you guys want to hear that from the Lord? I mean, not, not audibly, but in your heart. Oh, man, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you're asking me. Let it happen. No better example in the Bible of someone who persevered in her faith. So let's consider this story here. And one of the things that Spurgeon said is that he, he said he doesn't know of anyone who he's ever seen in his life who has went through the same kind of uh, uh, afflictions with perseverance as this uh, woman. I'm going to show you this chart here. And this is, a, this is her obstacles. She had th these big time walls, these obstacles put in front of her. And by faith, she just blew right through them. Now, before we start talking about this, I want to show you, I want to show you what's going on here with, the, with a map. So this is a map of Israel. And uh, again, it says in Mark chapter uh, 7, where we began this morning, it says, Jesus arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he went into this house, and it says that this woman who came to him was from this area. So uh, this is Israel right here. There's Jerusalem down here. Um, Jesus is up here, this is where he was born. You see Nazareth there? That's where he was born. So he, in our lesson last week, Pharisees came up from Jerusalem and basically were trying to trap him. They were after him. They didn't like all the attention that he was getting. And Jesus, you know, he's fully God, but he's fully man, which means he got tired, he needed rest, he got hungry, and, and he needed to get away. So it says that he tried to go away. So he leaves the nation of Israel and he goes up here. You see Tyre and Sidon? There's no Jews up there, or very, very, very few. So it's, it's, it's people, and, and at the time, th these were what you would call pagans. They, I mean, they, they didn't believe in God. They believed in foreign gods. They had crazy worship in their temples, ritualized uh, prostitution, crazy stuff like that. And, um, but that's where he goes. And the reason was the crowds had gotten so intense. Mobs of people are following him here uh, uh, that he goes up into this area and it says there in verse 24, it said, it says he went up to the region of Tyre and Sire and he entered a house and he wanted no one to know it. So her first obstacle, her first obstacle, she, she's heard of Jesus. She's heard of him. His reputation has spilled out of the region. And, and let me tell you, when, when you're living the life of Christ, you can't hide it from people. And, and, and it has been 
interestingly, probably rightly said, if you're able to hide your Christianity, there's a question whether there's Christianity in you. There's just a question. Not here to condemn or, or anyone, but there's a question for that because the life of Christ, it's very difficult uh, for it to be, be remained hidden in you when you're, when you're walking in the grace of God. But it says here, number one here, it says her first o- o- obstacle was Jesus was hidden. Now this is a problem. You're going after God and he is hidden. That's obstacle number one for this woman. But what does she do? She finds him anyway. Verse 25 says that he, he, he wanted to know it, but he could not be hidden. Why? This woman was coming after Jesus. <laughs> She's coming after him. So what do you do, Calvary Chapel, when it seems your way is hidden from the Lord? What do you do? Shout it out. Seek him. You seek him anyway. Uh, in, in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 40, a well-known verse, um, verse 27, it says, Why do you say, O Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord? Seek him. Seek the Lord. Jesus is hidden here, but he could not be hidden. Why? Because there was one woman seeking him with all her heart. You remember that story uh, in Mark chapter 2. Four men trying to carry uh, uh, this guy who was paralyzed to Jesus. Jesus was in a house. The crowd outside the house is so big, they couldn't get to him. So what did they do? They went up on the roof of the house. And then what did they do next? Shout it out. They ripped a hole through the roof. They ripped a hole through the roof and let him down. And, and what does Jesus do? Whoa, what are you doing? I, I, look at my host here. You, re, he, you just destroyed his roof. No, he doesn't. He receives. He, he loves the faith that he sees, and he receives him. This woman, what did she do? Looks like she ripped the door off the house. I, I mean, I don't know what she does. It, it doesn't really say. But this is one really persistent woman. It, I mean, when, listen, when, when, you're play, when God is playing hide-and-go-seek with you and you win, you're going, you're, that means you're going after God. It says clearly he wanted to remain hidden, but he could not. What an incredible story. She's not shy. If, if, if this woman's not shy, we're going to learn that uh, from her. Uh, it, it's, um, it, it, if you are shy, If you're shy with God, Christian, listen, if you're shy with God, stop it. Stop being shy with God. Well, you know, I... God, I hate to bother you, and I know that there are a lot, you got a lot of better things to do. I really don't come in here like this. No, stop that. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible. It says we are, have, because of the blood of Jesus, we can go to God with confidence. We can go to God with confidence. So what happens next in it, uh, uh, number two? Let, Number two, it says that her next obstacle, her first um, obstacle was that he's hidden. His next is that he doesn't say a word. 
So she's yelling, my daughter's demon-possessed. And so flip over to Matthew 15. I, I, we are going to be going back and forth from Matthew 15 to Mark 7. Go, go over to Matthew 15. Very unusual. We do not see another occasion, really. Uh, you can email me if, I, I'm, I'm not, if there's another occasion. But we don't really see this anywhere else. Again, in verse 22 of Matthew 15, it says, Behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Verse 23, But he answered her not a word. He answers her not a word. And so what does she do? Oh man, I, I'm talking to him and he's not saying anything. I'm just, again, I'm just gonna go. Does she do that? No, she doesn't. Actually, turn right back to Mark chapter seven. You gotta keep your finger on both these chapters. It actually says what she did. It says in verse 26, it says the gr woman was a Greek, meaning non-Jew, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him. She kept asking him. She kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. So Calvary Chapel, when you're going to God, when you're praying to God, and he is silent. Keep, at, keep asking. Keep talking. Don't stop. Do you want to hear like this woman heard from God? Oh woman, great is your faith. Oh man, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. You want to hear that? You got to keep asking. I don't know what to say. I'm just teaching. To, this is what the Bible is saying. Be persistent with God. Remember, listen, he is God and you're not. He's being silent for a reason. There's a good reason he's being silent. The Bible says, um, Moses said, who are you, God? And, 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 it said, and he actually said, okay, I'll show you who I am. And he said, when he told him, he proclaimed and he's abounding in goodness. There's a good reason that he's being silent. However, that doesn't mean that you remain silent. What we learn from this woman, this extraordinary woman, is you keep asking. What's the next thing? Number three. So the first, wall, the first obstacle um, was he was hidden. Didn't stop her. She bl blows through that. She finds him. Second one, he doesn't say a word. Doesn't matter. She keeps on asking. Number three, 12 men were opposing her. 12 men. Go to, back to Matthew. Go back to Matthew. Again, middle of verse 22, she's crying out to him, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And then, then read, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. Now this, to me, 
I think, is the most extraordinary one on this list. I, I, I don't know. The, the, the last two are pretty intense as well, especially the last one. But, but um, there's this woman walking in, and there's 12 men. And, and these are like, these are men. I mean, these are, these are dudes who are fishermen. Uh, these, these are guys, I've, I've been, been at the docks a few times in my life, actually hundreds of times. Fishermen, they're not like these skinny dudes. I mean, this is hard work hauling net, uh, nets of fish in. And there's 12 of them. And they're like, get Jesus, tell this woman to go. Please send her away. Can you imagine the pressure on that woman? Let me, let me, let me just tell you something about human nature. We are fragile. In our fallen nature, we were born into a perfect relationship with God. Not fragile at all. We decided to substitute God with ourselves. We fell into sin. And as, and, and as a race, the human race, human race, we are fragile. We're very insecure. We're very self-conscious. It doesn't take a lot for another. We're addicted to people's approval. It doesn't take a lot for even one person who's intimidating us for us to, to turn around and go, can you imagine 12? I mean, whether you're a woman and or a man. I mean, not only the intimidating, but here's, here's you know what's worse than being intimidated? You know what's more, more effect on me than being intimidated? Being shamed. So they're shaming this woman. They're putting her to shame. And she keeps, according to, again, according to Mark chapter 7, verse 26, she keeps on asking. Now, are you getting now why Charles Spurgeon gave 10 sermons about this, about this one woman? I am telling you, I am making a beeline to this woman when I get to heaven. This is one extraordinary woman. She doesn't, she doesn't stop even in the face of that. And so, uh, and, and so let's apply it to your lives now. <laughs> That's, let, let's apply it to your lives. People will try to shame you into not following God. They will try to shame you. Why are you still following God? Look at the issues you have. God's obviously not listening to your prayers. Give it up. Best example in the Bible, the book of Job. His life is wrecked. What does his wife say? She comes up to him. Why do you hold on to your integrity? Curse God and die. And then she leaves. Voices that we hear telling us what is the purpose? I've been seeking God, I've been praying, I'm doing this. Why even continue this? I love Psalm chapter three. There's a song to it. And I'd, like a, I'd love for our worship team to sing it again soon. This is Psalm chapter three, I love it. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of my soul, there's no help for him in God. God's not helping this man. God's not helping this woman. And actually, you don't even need people. 
to be telling you this because what? Your own mind, the flesh, your own mind, or the devil, spiritual warfare, is, will make sure on a, on a fairly regular basis to tell you the same thing. Same thing. There's no help for you from God. Why are you continuing to follow him? God's not going to bail you out of this one. Whoa, dude, give it up. What do you do when you hear those voices? What do you do? Do you know by now? Mark chapter 7, verse 26. You keep on asking. Let me tell you, you get into this place where you hear a whole bunch of voices crying out to you. They may be real voices, your relatives. Like, what, what, what are you still following Jesus? Or just in your own mind, where do you go? You go right to this story. In Matthew 15 and Mark chapter 7. And you do the same thing as this woman did. Remember what, remember what Jesus said, oh, oh woman, how great is your faith. This is your example, Calvary Chapel. This is where you go and you keep on asking you keep on asking and so in the book of Luke you don't have to chain uh, go there but uh, Jesus tells the story in the book of Luke uh, chapter uh, 18 a familiar story to some of you he says this parable he said in a this is Jesus speaking in Luke 18 it says there was a, in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. In other words, he was corrupt. Verse three. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, the judge would not do anything for her for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I don't fear God nor regard man, because this widow troubles me, I'll avenge her, I'll give her what she wants, lest by her continual coming to me, I, I am wearied. And then Jesus said, hear what that unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own children, his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? God is pleased by your faith. He's pleased by you pushing through and persevering and continuing on. And, and uh, the, the woman here in Mark 7 and Matthew 15, we don't know her name. She was a woman who pleased God. Number five. The fifth one. I'm, I'm sorry, this is number four. This is her fourth obstacle. Jesus says, my ministry is, is not you. You are not my ministry. And in other words, apparently, no. That's what she's probably hearing at this point. No. So turn with me to Matthew 15, and let's read it. It says, um, in verse 23, it says, the disciples are saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. And then in verse 24, uh, Jesus answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep 
of the house of Israel, meaning you are not Jewish and I wasn't sent for you. What's all this about? Well, if you're a student of the Bible, you know full well that the Bible teaches that Jesus came first for the Jews. There's many parables that, are, that he gives about this, that he's coming one last time to the Jews. And he warns them over and over, listen, I'm coming to you, and if you reject me, it's going to all the world. That's what he says, and actually, on the night of his crucifixion, right before, he tells his disciples this uh, in the book of John. And, and so he's just telling her the facts, and I'm sure it's really hard to, to hear. I was not sent to non-Jews. I wasn't sent to you. Now, we know in Matthew 28, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, what did he tell his disciples, his, all of whom were Jews? He said, now you guys, you go to all the world. Matthew 28, go in, unto all the world, making disciples of all nations. And that's who we are here uh, today. We're all nations. We're the beneficiary of that. But until that time, that's not why he sent. And so apparently, she gets, from her perspective, what did she hear? No, I'm not, I'm not answering you. I, he said, I, 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 am, I was sent only to the lost children of Israel. And what does she do? What is her response? Again, he said, Verse 24, I was not sent except to the lost uh, sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 25, man, pay attention, Calvary Chapel, to this. What does she do? She doesn't say, okay, I'm done. I got to know. I'm getting out of here. No, it says that she came and she worshiped him. And then she said, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Would you please help me, God? And what is she doing here? She's letting God be God. The answer sometimes is no. And, and what we need to do is just say, okay, there must be something better and worship him. Not to, I'm done with this God. I'm getting out of here. What use is this God? I heard about this man who, 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 who uh, preaches the kingdom of God and, and gives people a life of joy and peace. I have none of that. I'm out of here. It hasn't worked for me. No, it says she worshiped. What an example. Ten sermons about this woman. Is it any wonder that he didn't give 20? And then what did she do? She doesn't give up. She appears to have gotten a no, and she just says, Lord, help me. So every Sunday morning, we have prayer before the service. Next week, week, by the way, it'll be at 9.30. It'll move from 8.30 to 9.30, because we're going to one service. And this morning, we just use this as a springboard. Lord, there's people who come to our church on Sundays. They're just coming because it's, feels like a good thing to do. They don't know you. Help us, Lord. Help us, God. Help us so that these people are changed and they ex- encounter you, that they experience you. And, and you, in your own life, you may be praying for a, 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 a husband or a, a, your husband or your wife who does not know God 
or, a, or, or your child or your parent or someone who doesn't know God? And the answer appears to be no, because they're, they, they, over time, their hearts are just as hard as ever. What do you say? Help me, God. You go, you go, to, this, you go to this story and do what this woman did. Remember what Jesus said to her, oh woman, great is your faith. She is our example when this happened, when you notice your teenager is not interested in God. They have dived headlong into the world. They are fascinated. Uh, at one time, they were kind of interested with God. It's obviously what's interesting them now, you know, sex, drugs, and foolishness. And you're praying for them. And it just seems to not stop. It just goes on and on. What do you do? You go to the Syrophoenician woman story and you follow her example. Help me, God. Now we learn from um, the, the story of the widow uh, that sometimes it is a period of years. But we don't stop. As long as that's a live thing, we, it's a live situation, we do not stop. We do not stop. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this, this word, this phrase. It's very simple. It's a great prayer. Three words. Lord, help me. Help me. Prayer is so incredibly simple. We, we make it complicated. We come up with prayer books. Some of them are very good, by the way, but they turn into an idol and they turn into rituals and they just, uh, they just bring death if they're turned into a ritual. But Lord, help me. Was the cry of her heart, I have a question for you. What is the cry of your heart? What is the cry of your heart? Now, really, Does God even know it? Does he even know what the cry of your heart is? You know, you may be asking, why, does, why is the Lord putting this woman through torture? Is he a sadomasochist? I mean, does he like just suffering? There are people, there are, there are enemies of the Bible who certainly say that about this account. That, that, that he just enjoys seeing his children suffer. Why? What's the response to them? Why? Why is it? Why is he doing this kind of thing? And the answer is this. God is tired and, and wearies of shallow relationships with his own children. Listen, God's tired of that shallow relationship with you. He's tired. He's tired of you coming to ask him to fix that relationship in your, in your life. He fixes it. Then you go silent on him. He's tired of you coming to him, asking him to get you out of a financial jam. He does. And then you go silent on him. He's weary of you um, coming to him, asking him for healing from sickness. He does. And you go silent on him. What kind of relationship is that? God wants to know the cry of your heart. That's what he got from this woman. Let me tell you, he's blessing this woman. This woman will never be the same. And, 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 and he wants the same thing. He wants to know uh, what the cry of your heart is. He's tired of being treated like Santa Claus. 
I mean, it's not that he doesn't care about, uh, 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 about just th- those kind of Santa Claus blessings that we ask the Lord for. We should. He's our father. But he wants to go deep. Isaiah 43, verse 10 says this. Everyone who's called by my name, this is God talking, I have created so that they may know and believe me and understand that I am he. This is God's purpose for your life. And some of you may weary of me saying it. When it, when it says here that I have created so that I may know you, that word know, K-N-O-W, in the Hebrew, original language, yada, which is the same word used in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, which is Adam knew Eve and conceived Cain. It's that kind of intimacy that he wants with you. That it's not knowing facts. It's knowing your person. That's the reason you're... And he has this shallow relationship with some of you. I mean, there's many of you I know who, who you're well familiar with the deep things of God. I know just by what you say and what you text me and, what you, and, and, and the wonderful encouragements I get from you. But for some of you, he loves you. He wants to, something more than Santa Claus. He wants this. He wants, uh, he wants it so that you may know him and believe him and understand that I am he. What does that mean? I am he. I am who? He's the God of love and exceeding grace and, and abounding in tender mercies and loving kindness. But he's also a God to be feared in a good way, in a healthy way. He's a God that wants to uh, impart joy on you. So what is the cry of your heart? If you don't know what it is, or if it's the cry of your heart is, God, I want money. And you know, that probably ain't what God wants. Ask him, Lord, replace it. Would you replace the cry of my heart? Number five, this is one incredible woman this is what she hears from him. It is not right to give what belongs to children and give it to you, a little dog. What in the world? Is this Jesus talking or Judas? I mean, what is this? I mean, and so turn to now back to chapter 15 again of Matthew. Again, she says in verse 25, Lord, help me. And he answers and says, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, pause. Um, A a, a couple things. Number one, you don't want to read this verse outside the light of the rest of the Bible. Jesus describes himself by one adjective. Gentle. That's period. Gentle and lowly, same word, meek, meek and gentle. Matthew, only time he describes, gives an adjective to himself. It says that Jesus came into Jerusalem lowly and riding on a donkey. That word lowly, same thing, meek. So she, she can see his countenance when he's saying this. But he still called her a dog. <laughs> he did. And we need to trust that he knows what he's doing. Now, why did he do that? At the time, some of you know, Jews called any non-Jew what? A dog. So Gentiles are dogs. That's what they were. And, there was, and, 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 and was that necessarily a good thing? No, but 
it was justified. Gentiles didn't have this. <laughs> so, but for the grace of God, I'm a dog. They had no boundaries in sexual, with, with sexuality. They had no boundaries, lying, cheating. They, they lived like dogs. So they were called dogs. Now, it's interesting. Jesus calls her a little dog. And so the Bible commentators you know, they have a lot to say about that. It's, it's, it's probably means that it was a dog that was domesticated, would be in the house underneath the table, the master's table, a little dog. But still, he calls her a dog. Now, what does she do? What does she do? She's like, Oh, this, this is, obviously, this guy just insulted me. I am getting out of here. I am getting out of this place. This is obviously, whatever they said about this man, he's a God, he, he, he's the son of God, he's, he, he's a, a, a God of love, a God of gentleness and kindness. It's not him, I'm bolting out of here. No, what does she do? She agrees with him. She says this, she says, um, she says, yes, Lord, I'm a dog, yes, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Wow. And he answered and said to her, O oh woman, great is your faith. He, he got her just where he wanted her. This whole thing is designed. He got this woman. He took her deep. She's now deep. She'll never be the same. O oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. What a remarkable story. What is going on here is essentially this. I, I agree I'm a dog. I live like, I, I come from a people who behaves like dogs and I've lived like a dog myself, but can I have the same mercy that you've been given to the children of Israel? So in this instance, this last obstacle not only, is the pre, not only is the obstacle, oh, I, I get a no, it's actually worse than a no. It's taken a dive. It's gotten worse. You got a boss. Your boss is driving you crazy. You, you don't like your boss. You've been praying for six months. Lord, please give me another boss. Please, please give me another boss. And then all of a sudden your boss leaves and you're like, oh, this is so cool. And the new boss shows up. And the new boss is a mother of all nightmares. I mean, it, you are pleading with your old boss. It's just terrible. What do you do? Based upon what this woman did, what, what do you do? Shout out someone. Okay, you worship. Very good. You worship. What else? That was the one before, but that's good. I like that. What do you do? What's that? You keep asking, yeah, but what did she do? He, she, you agree with God. Yes, I deserve a nightmare of a boss. I deserve it because I, I Lord, you, 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 when I look at the record of my life and all the times in my life that I deserve, 
I deserve hell. I deserve judgment. All the times in my life where I have substituted you for myself, I've made selfish decisions. Look, I not only deserve a nightmare of a boss, I deserve a nightmare, period. And, and by the way, you know better, God, and I worship you. That's literally what this woman did. We never want to go to God as if we deserve anything. We deserve, you deserve, hell, we have sinned against a holy God. And he plucked us out of hell, gave us the right to become children of God as we accepted him into our life as Lord, as King. And now everything that we get is purely grace. And if he has, he brings a nightmare of a boss into our life, okay, he must be trying to do a work in my life. But we actually agree. We take it. If, if you pray to the Lord and it seems not only is there a no, it's gone even worse. It's still, look, I agree, Lord. I don't, I don't deserve anything. But please, would you have mercy on me? And then the new boss will show up eventually. He or she will. But you got to keep on asking. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time. And I'm just going to close with this very thing. Don't you want this kind of faith? Do you not want this kind of faith? It's incredible that perhaps the most outstanding example of faith in the New Testament isn't even come from the Jewish people. It's a woman among the Greeks, a non-Jew, didn't grow up with, uh, with uh, faith as we know it, of the one true God. But don't you want this faith? Don't you want to hear those words? You know, the Bible does say, if you want faith, ask for it. Ask for faith. There was that one story where this man came up to Jesus. I think he had a problem with his child. Heal my child. Jesus says, can you, do you believe I can heal your child? What is he? Um, and, and the man says, I, I do, but correct my unbelief. It's, it's, it's good to ask. It's good to ask for faith. But can I suggest to you, if you want more faith, can I suggest to you that the best thing to do is just consider the cross. Just consider the cross. Romans chapter 8, 32. When we were in Romans, I pleaded with you to uh, memorize this verse, and I, I'll plead again today, memorize this verse. Make it a life. Actually, I plead with you to make it a life verse. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Now, d- just consider, it says delivered up for, th- that. this is a body unrecognizable, covered with open wounds, unrecognizable on the cross. When it says he delivered us up for us all, that's what it is. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In other words, our faith is boosted. It's, 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 it's emboldened. It's, it, it turns from this shaky thing into a more thing where we expect God to work. Why? Because if he gave his son for you on the cross, even though you didn't deserve it, why not 
why would he not also freely with him give you all things? Listen, we're going to begin just with an instrumental briefly before our closing worship song. If any of you in this room, you're just like, wow, I'm blown away by this woman. And I wouldn't have even gotten to through obstacle one because it just has felt to me like my ways are hidden from God. And I realize now I got to keep on asking. And then when he is not responding, I got to keep on asking. I got to persevere in faith. I must have a shallow faith. I, I, I want a deeper faith. I want a faith that please God. And, and then just whatever you, you appear to have gotten a no or, or, or worse than a no. But you want to persevere in faith. Stand up. I want to pray for you. Just stand up. I want to pray for you. Using the example of this woman. If you're sitting down, just pray with me for those who are standing. Lord, we have this verse, chapter 11, verse... Chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please you. So we can go to church every Sunday, every year. We can help all kinds of people. We can do tremendous deeds, but without without faith we're not we're not pleasing you and Lord we look at this woman and we say I am not her but I want to be her Lord I pray for everyone standing I pray for them in the name of Jesus just for an impartation of the spirit of God just pray Lord would you do that work Lord for these folks who have, have, have stood up, that's a, that's a humbling, Lord. You say you exalt the humble. They want to please you, Lord. They want to hear those incredible words. Oh, man, how great is your faith. In their spirit, they want to hear how great is your faith. Oh, woman, let it be to you. As you have asked. They want to hear that, Lord. I just pray. God, there's just, just there's people standing represent issues, troubles. Someone standing may not may not have issues or troubles. They just want to please you. They just want to please you, God, or would you do that for them, Lord? Make us into a household of faith pleases you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If everyone could stand for a closing worship song.